Welcome to the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers, Faculty of British Columbia podcast. We are a diverse coalition of Asian Canadian legal professionals. We promote equity, justice, and opportunity for Asian Canadian legal professionals and the community. We foster advocacy, community involvement, legal scholarship, and professional development. The purpose of this podcast highlights the diverse and unique members of our community. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Lily Lee, and I was the student director for Allard Law at UBC for 2020 to 2021. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is being hosted from the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. And we invite everyone listening to reflect on what this means in relation to our presence on this land as law students, lawyers, and settlers. Today, I have with me Barbara Wang, the Manager of Student Experience at the Peter A. Allard School of Law at the University of British Columbia. Barbara manages the implementation and delivery of student support for legal clinics, moots, and exchange opportunities. She also develops programs to enhance student experience and provides academic and personal support to JV students. Barbara, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Lily. I've been a longtime supporter of FACL, so I'm delighted to be a guest. I love to hear it. We all love to hear it. <laughs> we wanted to have you on this podcast today to chat about two different topics, general tips and tricks for students, the journey to your current role at Allard, and how you made the transition from being in big law slash private practice to a law-adjacent career. So let us start off with your life story. Wherever you want to begin, please go ahead. The mic is yours. We would love to know more about Barbara. (laughs) Sure. So I'm a first-generation immigrant from China, and I grew up in Vancouver and studied at UBC for both my undergraduate and JD degrees. My undergraduate degree is in psychology, so I've always known that I wanted a career that was primarily people-focused, even before I applied to law school. I would say once I became a law student, my career path was fairly linear. So I summered at McCarthy Tetro, and after I graduated, I went on to article and work as an associate in their business law group. And I really enjoyed my time there. But as I reflected on what I had accomplished and what I still wanted to accomplish with my career, I realized that I wanted a career that was more aligned with my personal values, which ultimately led me to my current role at Allard. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. The transition from big law to your current role at Allard, you mentioned that it was you trying to align your work with your personal values. And I'm wondering, were there any other factors that made you want to change career paths? And what were some resources that you relied on in making your decision to leave private practice? Yeah, so my decision to leave private practice was actually quite spontaneous in some ways. At that time, I was still figuring out what I valued in a career and what I wanted to achieve when an opportunity to join the student services team at Allard came up on my radar. So I wasn't actually sure if I wanted to leave private practice or whether it was the right time to make that change because I felt like I still had quite a bit to learn as a relatively junior lawyer. But the more I reflected on my goals, the more I realized that I would have likely left big law at some point in my career and to hold off on making that jump because I didn't feel quite ready or that because I was scared of the unknown would mean 
losing out on a great opportunity that was otherwise quite aligned with my own personal values. And I guess I would say in terms of resources, I really relied on three main things. So the first being introspection, and then research, and then of course, friends and family. In terms of introspection, I think it's important to focus on identifying what you value and what you need to stay engaged, motivated, and, and happy in your career. So through the self-reflection, I realized that what mattered to me wasn't necessarily something that I could only obtain through a career in private practice. And in fact, I would say that now that I'm in my current role, some of those values are much more aligned in my current role than they ever were when I was practicing big law. So kind of coupled with that self-reflection, I also did a lot of reading and research. There's a lot of great resources out there, blog posts, articles, and I highly recommend doing research before you make any sort of big decision in your life. And for me, that meant seeking out articles and blog posts specifically on leaving big law and potentially leaving private practice altogether. Lastly, I talked to my family and friends. So when I had that conversation with my parents on, on the fact that I was potentially leaving private practice, they were initially very concerned and wondered why I was leaving a well-respected career when I worked so hard to get there. But as I explained my perspective, they became very supportive. And I think actually the act of talking through why I wanted to make the change actually helped solidify that decision in my own mind because it made me challenge my own perspective and forced me to confront some of those questions that maybe I just wasn't really thinking too deeply about at the time. So I'm really glad I had that conversation. And, and I would say those were the different factors that were at play in, in making my decision. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I would definitely have to say I'm a big fan of thinking out loud and just laying everything out on the table because we can get so stuck in our own heads and looping through the same things over and over. But when you have to say it out loud and share it, especially with someone else and family and friends, that really puts into play a lot of other factors that maybe you had pushed aside in your own mind or didn't even think about until you brought it up. So I'm glad they were a great resource for you. <laughs> Just moving on, I'm wondering, do you have any advice for those who are wishing to move into a law adjacent career or perhaps for those students who already know from the get-go that they want to be in a law adjacent career? I mean, I know you mentioned those articles and, and, and blogs, but just general, general tips and, and tricks for those. Sure. I think in both scenarios, one of the best things you can do is start to build a network and talk to people. I think lawyers as a group tend to be fairly cautious and risk averse, which can be great and, and definitely has its benefits for legal practice. But I think it can be a bit of an obstacle when it comes to making significant changes or pursuing a less certain career path, because these decisions in a lot of ways can feel like they are higher risk. But I think the best sort of tool to counteract that is knowledge, right? So the more you understand something, the more you have information at your disposal, I think it becomes easier to make those decisions. So my recommendation is to build a network of people who are pursuing the careers that you're interested in or who have made that jump 
and then try and find opportunities to speak with them about how they got there and learn about their experiences. What did they do beforehand? Why did they make the change? How they're finding it? If there was anything that they wish they had known before they made the jump so that you can ultimately be better informed if you are thinking about whether like moving into a law adjacent career or, or beginning your career in a law adjacent position. And then beyond that, I think you also need to be prepared to put in real time and effort to find something that works for you. Just practically speaking, depending on where you're at in your legal career, you might have constraints like student debt, or you might need to build up some industry knowledge in the area that you're interested in before you can make that leap. And those things can sort of affect how long it takes you to make the transition. So you should be prepared for the possibility that it might really take some time to find the right opportunity. No, great words and good things to, to keep in mind. I am wondering when you were going through your network and building that community of those you could reach out to and chat about, was that difficult on your end? How did you go about, was it cold calling people on LinkedIn or, or was it just your existing network of those who had already made that leap before you? It was a bit of both, to be honest. I definitely reached out to people that I already that were already in my network that had transitioned, but I also did a bit of cold calling as well, and I found LinkedIn to be quite helpful for that. And I find the best thing about our community, especially in Vancouver, is that we are quite small and tight-knit, so people are always happy to speak with each other. And I think if you approach those communications as just information gathering, and can convey that you're not looking for a job. You're not asking them to give you a job. You just want to learn more about their experience. You'll probably have greater success. I would say, don't be afraid to reach out. Worst case, they say no, but that's really it. There's nothing really that can come out of that that would negatively impact you. Maybe my one sort of practical piece of advice would be, it's always up to you to share how much you want to it's always up to you to determine how much you want to share about what you're looking for. But to the extent that maybe you're not as familiar with them or you haven't really established that relationship yet, you can always mention, oh, I'm, I'm having this conversation in, in confidence. I'm, I'm hoping that you won't share what we've discussed with others. And that's a really good way of, of sounding bad, setting boundaries if you are worried about this getting out if you're currently employed somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's very practical advice. And I'm so glad you, you brought that up because when others are sharing their experience and their story with you, you can't help but feel obligated to do the same and return the favor as well. But sometimes, like you said, you're not as familiar with them and might not be something you're at that point of wanting to share so widely. So that's great to keep in mind. Thank you. Just getting into the weeds a bit, practicing mm -hmm. lawyer thinking of going into a, a law adjacent career would require some changes with the law society. Could you please elaborate on what the process was like in terms of your practicing status, membership dues, indemnity fees, and so on? So <laughs> I was actually quite fortunate to have had my firm support in my transition out of private practice. So for me, it was actually quite painless. My membership dues had already been paid by my firm for the year. So really, when it came to submitting my change of status application with the Law Society, they just directly sent the refund to my firm. And there really wasn't much else to do beyond that. It was a very smooth process. And I think all in all, with processing times, it took maybe two weeks to complete. Wow. Okay. Very fast. Yes. 
Okay. Well, that it was a, a painless experience. I thought it would be something like ripping off a band-aid, but <laughs> <laughs> so going from, from big law to a career that is aimed at helping students with their future careers in law, you have a very unique vantage point that places you at a great advantage in terms of assisting students. And I'm wondering, do you have any tips, tricks, or just general things that you think students should keep in mind, either for a law school finding a job in law for students in the upcoming OCI recruit and so on. Really, it, it is fair game here. <laughs> so anything that comes to your mind? <laughs> yeah, I think generally, whether you're a law student or whether you are already established in your career, I always recommend that you check in and reflect on your own goals every once in a while. So for me, that meant picking a specific date and setting aside time on that date to reflect on what I had accomplished. It's also good to think about what did you struggle with during that period? Where do you want to see yourself next? It's really easy to go with the flow. And sometimes there's just so much going on in your life that you feel like you can't possibly make the time for that sort of self-reflection. But I've found that when you are purposeful and when you take ownership of your own development, you are much more likely to end up where you actually want to be because you're asking yourself those sorts of questions along the way. As for looking for jobs and, and maybe more specifically the upcoming OCI recruits for law students, be yourself, but put your best foot forward. Make sure you're carefully reviewing your resume and cover letter. Make sure there's no typos. Do you correctly spell everyone's names? Do your written materials convey your skills and what you uniquely can bring to the law firm? And beyond that, at the interview stage, the interviewers are often just looking to get a better sense of who you are and, and what you're like. But I don't think that means you can't be strategic about preparation. Keep in mind the kind of impression you want to leave with your in interviewers. I found what worked for me was to hone in on a few personality traits or skills that I knew I wanted to highlight in every interview. So once you have that framework, then you can kind of brainstorm experiences you've had that demonstrate those skills or personality traits. And ideally, if you are looking at your resume, you should be able to come up with at least one example from each of those roles on your resume that demonstrate those skills and qualities. You might not actually get asked about any particular experience on your resume in an interview, but I think the act of brainstorming with that specific goal in mind will help you to prepare for questions you might not have anticipated or help you with navigating those sorts of ambiguous and open-ended conversations that some OCI interviews can, can end up looking like. So. I think that's really my two biggest pieces of advice. Always be mindful of your own goals. Just make sure that, you know, you are putting your best foot forward. I love that. It's about the interviewers walking away and saying, Barbara is X, Y, Z. And, yeah. and knowing like what that means for each adjective or skill or personality trait, as you mentioned, right? Yes, absolutely. I think it is really important to, and I think that's a process you can't do without to a small extent, some self-reflection, right? Like you have to be able to identify what you want the interviewers to know about you. And that does require a bit of thinking. 
Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing all those tips as well as sharing your journey in law. The students at Allard, including myself, are very lucky to have you there supporting us alongside everyone else at the CSO and Student Services. And I hope to see you tuning into this episode at future FacoBC events. I'm so glad to have you as a proud FacoBC supporter. And thank you so much again for joining me today. Not a problem. Thank you so much for having me, Lily. And if anyone ever wants to chat or just have a listening ear, I'm always available. So happy to meet with anyone as well. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Facul BC podcast. Visit our website at facultbc.ca and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at FacultBC. We hope you enjoyed our episode today and stay tuned for the next guest. If you have guest speaker suggestions, please email us at membership at facultbc.ca.